Welcome once again to More Football. A pleasure to have you with us. I'm Adnan Burke alongside Vox Lombardi and Richard Johnson. We've been told by our producer Amit Mon to bring a little more color here. So you can see Richard's Brock and Light color. I got like a purple. We needed some orange. But the best shirt collection out of the gate going with Vox Lombardi and Zeke Koo. We're going to talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys and what has been an abysmal start so far. But Vox, I want to start with you on this. Clearly, you can – I'm going to start calling you Nostradamus here, okay? You called it the start of the year, the Houston Texans. I don't want to use – Words in your mouth. I think you said they were trash. And Billy O'Brien now is walking the plank. Coach and GM. Boys, this is rare to get a firing this early in the season. However, the Texans are 0-4 for the first time since 2008. Four division titles in six seasons. But what have you done for me lately? Your reaction, first and foremost, Vach, the fact that Billy O'Brien is now out of a job. You know, it's going to be really weird because I've been attacking the Texans for the past four weeks. But now I kind of want to be more understanding. I want to give them a virtual hug because I think it's a bit early. I think this was a bit premature. It's week four. If anything, I thought that Adam Gase was going to be first. He's been the worst of the guys that are possibly on the high seat. They just got to win and, you know, they could have a lot to, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, uh, uh, contributing to it, I would say. But mm-hmm. when you look at what's going on with the Texans, they have no preseason. COVID happens, and then they play the worst first four teams that you would want to play with that kind of situation. So Bill O'Brien, the GM, is probably the worst of the worst. But Bill O'Brien, the head coach, at least he was a playoff guy. At least he got that team going. At least you, you know. So I think it's a bit premature, man. I don't like it very, very much. But hey, when you get rid of some of the best players on your team and you only bring back second round picks, third round picks, fourth round picks, then that's what happens to you. The worst thing that happens is the next head coach that comes in, he's not going to have any first round picks to build his team with. So that's going to be a little weird, but. Who cares? Yeah, Vach, speaking of the next head coach, I think the candidates for it are pretty clear. I think Eric ben- Eric Bieniemy is 1-1-A and 2-3-4-5. I think you want a coach with an offensive pedigree. I think if they go elsewhere, maybe Brian Dabo, who I think is coaching his tail off at, in Buffalo right now with Josh Allen. And then maybe a little under the radar, you got a guy like Byron Leftwich who may be uh, a little bit more have a little bit more influence in Tom Brady's early success with the Bucks than people realize. But, you know, it's funny to, to kind of bring our viewers behind the curtain. We sat in a lineup meeting tomorrow yesterday trying to plan this show out, and we were like, man, it could be a must-win game for the Texans against the Jaguars coming up this weekend. And then, obviously, they fire him between when we plan the show and when we're doing the show. So it's interesting to me that it seemed like the Texans were at an inflection point anyway, and it seems like they just made the move earlier than we thought was going to happen. But as far as the rest of the season goes, watch, I'm, I'm interested to hear about this from you. Do you think it's kind of like a wash now because you're just really trying to see what you have on this roster and what you want to bring back next season around Deshaun Watson? Because remember, he is tied up into the long-term contract. So sort of the, the, the biggest piece for any new coach or GM uh, has already already been put in place. I mean, so we like to talk about time ticking or whatever. So I think that Bill's time ran out. But if it's Watson, I think, if anything, we have an understanding that the rest of this year, let's kind of see what works and what does not work. So that's a fair point there. But after that year, it's going to go right back to everybody's looking at you, Deshaun Watson. So in my personal opinion, and I've been pegged as a, you know, Watson hater, but I'm not. I just I think this is really fair. He's a very talented quarterback and he can do good things for you, but he's going to have to improve 
improve, he's going to have to make his reads better. He will tuck the ball and run when he shouldn't. He will duck his head and get sacked, and they will blame it on the offensive line. And the Texans have been trying to make improvements on that offensive line, but I think a lot of times, you know, Watson gets his own self-sack. So uh, this will be a good year to just, you know, see what works and what doesn't. But, you know, like I said earlier, the bad part about it is you don't really have first-round picks now. So the guys that you traded for, you know, guys like Laramie Tunzel, guys like uh, – you know, David Johnson, they're going to have to give you something because either that or it's free agency. Yeah, Vach, I mean, we talk about the the players that the Texans had around him. Crazy. Uh, you know, you'd love to have a really good wide receiver with Watson as well. I, I don't know if the Texans used to have one of those. It's unclear. <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> I have to look up the stats on that. By the way, love the fact that some of the candidates that Richard threw out there. Listen, as Chris Brown would say, Eric sleeping with B enemy. How the hell is he not a head coach yet? With the offensive coordinator, he's been the Chiefs. Are you kidding? With that offensive, Patrick Mahomes, give this man a job. And you're right, Leftwich with Brady and the Jaguars. Maybe he'll get his shot sooner rather than later as well. Billy O'Brien, obviously a good tenure. I'm sure he'll be back. Sooner rather than later, we'll see what happens with Watson and the Texans moving forward. Uh, they used to call it the NFC East. Now it's the NFC Least, okay? Not only last season, but also this season. Yes, shout out to the Eagles pulling off a nice victory against the San Francisco 49ers. How about Mullins throwing that pick right to Singleton? God, it's one of the great picks I've ever seen in my life. Right to you. Uh, but as far as the Cowboys are concerned, Vodge, what is going on, Siku? Give the bell cow the ball and get out of the way. They don't run the ball nearly enough, and the Cowboys lose again. The defense, we're calling it Alice. There's no D in Dallas. It is Alice, whether you like it or not. One in three for the first time since 2010. In 10 years, what's going on? I wouldn't dare give you all the satisfaction of bashing my Cowboys. I get this all the time. I'm used to it. Quoting Pulp Fiction. I hate to shatter your ego, but this ain't the first time I had a gun pointed at me. I am a Cowboys fan. I'm used to all this. My thing about it is, you know, who's going to win the East now? We're all terrible. I don't think we're all terrible. I just think we have a unit that's hand that's handcuffing us right now and making us have to be better than what we are. Now, this Cowboys offense can score with anybody. I'm convinced that that's the case. But this Cowboys defense is the worst defense I've ever seen on any team in any era, ever. So my point is, is, is week four now, and we play 16 games for a reason. If the Super Bowl was played after four games, we'd be in deep trouble. But it's not. So if we can simply make small improvements and go from the worst defense I've ever seen to simply the worst defense in the league now, or maybe a bottom five defense, then maybe – maybe our offense can be the heroes that we want them to be. And when I say, like, one of the worst, I mean, like, if we only give up 30 points a game, right, then we're 3-1. and one. Like, like that's the difference. So just let Dak be great. MVP candidate, Rain Dakota Prescott. I'll no, hang say, on, no, no more of this MVP candidate. If your team is 1-3, Richard, back me up. You can't be an MVP candidate if your team No stinks. chance. No chance. At, at some point in time, it's got to matter. I don't think we've gotten there yet. But Vach, I'm interested, at what week in the season do we say maybe it's time to stop rubber stamping them as NFC East champion? If the Eagles can figure something out and the Cowboys continue to not take this division by the scruff of the neck, at some point it has to matter. I mean, if the Cowboys go 6-10 and 10 and make the playoffs and win all playoff games, then who cares? <laughs> <laughs> who cares? The Eagles have to fix multiple things. We only got to fix one. But the Eagles did pull off a nice victory against the 49ers. Surprising to see. But to Vach's point, just how important it is to try to come back and how hard it is to actually be successful. Since 1990, 
14.3% of teams that lose three of their first four games actually make the playoffs. Richard, there's no doubt about it. Whoever is going to win the NFC East is not going to be a good football team, whether or not it's Philadelphia or Dallas. I mean, it's probably going to be one of those two teams. But either way, anybody else in the NFC is going, yeah, yeah, give me the NFC champion. We'll smoke them in the first round and move on from there. Yeah, it's, it is a crime that one of these teams is going to be able to host a home playoff game. It is just absolutely absurd. But if you're a road team, you're licking your chops because, hey, there aren't going to be any fans there, so they're not going to have the, 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 the home field advantage that they may otherwise have in another year. Got to get that Dallas defense going. Somebody call up Ken Norton Jr. To zone. More live football than anyone else. Stream exclusive Premier League and UEFA Champions League. Stream every NFL game, including the Super Bowl. Plus, exclusive Red Zone. Showing you every touchdown, every Sunday. DAZN. Start your free trial at DAZN.com and stream on multiple devices. More live football than anyone else. D-A-Z-N. DAZN. By the way, earlier Richard mentioned the lineup rundown. That's when we discussed the show. Top's going to discuss. Do not forget the lineup itself. Wesley Chang, Stephen Soyuz. Wesley Chang getting after it, okay? Hit us up on Twitter. He loves the shout-outs. Don't worry. You're getting plenty of shout-outs today, Wesley Chang. I promise you that. Here's the big news That is here. a pro segue for Matt Danford. <laughs> that is very well done. We do what we can, Rich. All right. Uh, I love this idea because you know what? I have a question. You know, in life, generally, you're in a meeting sometimes. You kind of raise your hand tentatively say, excuse me, I have a question. If you're Canadian, you say, I'm sorry, I have a question. You apologize before you do it. But there's one thing we're going to do is we're going to just ask some questions, okay? Quarter mark of the season right now, just some thoughts, some observations. We're football fans. Vach, I love where you're going to go with this. You have a question. What's on your mind? So we talked earlier about Bill O'Brien, and we also brought up Adam Gase with the Jets. My question is, how long do you let the coach's relationship with your players destroy your roster before they're fired, right? So if you have Bill O'Brien, right, and I'm the Houston Texans and I have all these players on my team that I really like if I'm owning the team and I really like these players, but my head coach, who's also my GM, does not. So Nuke Hopkins leaves and Jadevian Clowney leaves, but now Bill O'Brien gets fired in week four and now I don't have Jadavion Clowney or Nuke Hopkins. I think that sucks. Jamal Adams, the entire offseason, he was saying, hey, Gase is not the guy. Gase is not the guy. So if I'm the owner of the team or the GM, I would say, hey, maybe I should value my playmaking safety going into his prime and not Adam Gase. So I just want to ask both of you gentlemen, Rich, we'll just start with you. How long do you let someone ruin your team or let a coach ruin your team before they're fired? I think a lot of things in the NFL are changing, it's changing from that old sort of rigid, you know, military model. Uh, you know, uh, I, I say jump, you ask how high. That's not exactly the way the world works anymore, I don't think, is how you run an organization. And we've seen in the NBA, the players have more and more power on managerial decisions, frankly. Now, I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to go full LeBron James and, and, and really get to call out who gets traded and who doesn't. But I do think if you're an owner... The, the, the players are the assets that can't really come and go as quickly as the coach in a sense of, I would just put more stock into what my quarterback may have to say about how he's managed in the quarterback room or what have you by the head coach, the offensive coordinator, et cetera. I think players deserve more agency in today's NFL. And I do think they have it. Uh, you know, I, I'm not saying Sean Watson called the shot on Bill O'Brien at all. I, I don't want to put any words in his mouth. But I, I do think if, if you're trying to be forward thinking, 
and try to say, where do I want to go as an organization? I think a forward thinking organization would say, I think I should empower my players more. So with a nod to a few good men, you were saying that Deshaun Watson did not order the code red on Billy O'Brien. You know, it's interesting, Vach. I love the fact that Richard brought up the NBA analogy because it's true with the Clippers. All of a sudden, things don't work out. Paul, George, Kawhi Leonard, well, we know in sports, it's easier just to fire the coach rather than the player. So Doc Rivers is out of a job. Oh, Sixers aren't getting it done. Joel Embiid's a pain. No problem. We'll just hire Doc Rivers and fire Brett Brown. I feel like in other sports, certainly in basketball, the players have more currency, as Richard said. But I think in football, because it's such a weighty operation, because it's almost so militaristic in the fact you have all these different levels when it comes to offense, defense, special teams, personal um, you know, quality control coaches. There's so much at work. They say, you know what? To bring in a head coach, you want to give them at least three years. But I agree with you, Vach. At this point, listen, Bill O'Brien got fired. I never cheer for anyone to lose their job. I know what that's like. It's a horrible feeling. But the point is this. I think what has to happen is if you're brought in specifically to do something that doesn't work, then you have to start looking at a change. Meaning, if Adam Gase is brought in because he's the quarterback whisperer, because he's the guy, and Sam Darnold is regressing rather than progressing, well, then beyond the wins and losses, that coach isn't getting it done. Similarly, if Nagy is supposed to make Trubisky a better quarterback, that's not happening, and now Foles has to be the guy, well, I give you credit for putting in Foles, but you clearly didn't get the job done with Trubisky. And, and likewise, if you're a defensive coach, your defense doesn't work, so on and so forth. Look at Dan Quinn with the Falcons. So... In answer to your question, I think oftentimes NFL players or at least coaches get more rope than perhaps they should, but the times, they are a change. Right, we'll go now as far as the next question. Rich, you've got a question as far as the offensive revolution. Yeah, my question is, I don't know why we didn't see this coming. And, and I know in a former life, you spent quite a bit of time uh, covering college football and watching college football week in, week out. We've yeah. seen these quarterbacks all over college football, how uh, progressed they are when they get to college. I'm not saying they're ready for the NFL when they step on campus, but relative to their peers 20 or 30 years ago, I believe that they are ready, more ready for the NFL than them. And I think a lot of that has to do with college, pro, and high school. That There is a schematic synergy, particularly on offense, that I don't think we've ever seen in the sport of football. I think particularly is how the NFL and college hold hands sort of schematically. The NFL is more ready to receive what quarterbacks are actually doing. And then obviously the rules of the sport encourage offense. So all these people are saying, well, where are all these points coming from? Where are all these yards coming from? I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding. This this had been coming for a long time, Adam. Yeah, no question about it, Richard. You're right. When I was at ESPN, I mean, I, I laughed. Mike Tirico had a line the other day. He said that uh, the NFL is now the Big 12. As you guys all know, there's no defense when it comes to the Big 12. Enjoy the Red River Showdown coming up. Oklahoma and Texas, there's just points everywhere. By the way, as an aside, how about the state right now of college football? Not just college football, football in Texas. Texas A&M pays all that money to Jimbo Fisher. Look what's happening there. Tom Herman, the Longhorns. But anyways, that's a separate conversation. <laughs> your larger point about the Big 12 and the fact that you now the NFL, listen, I remember we'd be looking at the draft, work with Jesse Palmer, Joey Galloway, all these guys. We'd look at it and say, okay, that's a pro-style offense. That's a guy that can fit in seamlessly. So I think you're right. I think colleges are now tailoring their programs to fit that NFL style. Therefore, there's less of a, a need for a maturation for a guy to develop. You guys all know in the past, you draft a quarterback and, okay, basically we're redshirting him. For a year, just sit back, learn the plays. We'll get you in there year two. Now, it's, no, 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 especially for guys drafting the first round, we are drafting you to make an immediate impact. And – if you're a fan of defense, I'm sorry. It's all about offense. Again, back to Mike Tirico. He said the offense right now, we're averaging 61 points a game. Vach, I'm not a gambling man, but when it comes to every game, I would take the over. 
Well, it's all about push and pull. It's all about balance. And I think most of the offensive revolution comes from these offensive guys just being desperate. Every single year, defense gets better talent-wise, right? Every time we watch a draft, oh, there's five new pass rushers and there's a bunch of brand new tackles and linebackers and we may get one offensive lineman. So if we can't stop pass rush, we have to evolve. So the ball comes out quicker. Quick game stuff starts to happen. Once upon a time, we would never do spread in the league. We would never do wildcat in the league. But desperate times calls for desperate measures. So you just have to do these things. Also, once upon a time, we like to talk about, you know, what used to be and what is now. Once upon a time, if we would draft a quarterback and he would come into our system, okay, we need you to do this. It's no longer that. Now it's what do you do well and we're just going to do that. Okay, the New England Patriots never had anything like Cam Newton, but you get Cam Newton. So let's do things that Cam Newton is 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 good at. And I think that's smart football. I think that makes sense. But like I said, push and pull because defense is constantly evolving, constantly evolving. If you take Miles Garrett and drop him and just put him in the 30s, the 1930s, they'll think he's an alien. Dudes like that didn't even exist. So with defense constantly improving, Rich College guy Clemson's Isaiah Simmons last year. He's a linebacker, safety, nickel corner pass pass rushy guy so the more we get talented people the more things we can do on defense so now we have to come up with a way to stop that dude so it's <laughs> it's it's probably going to happen for the rest of you know football yeah I, you know we, go ahead richard yeah we just talked about sort of how the nfl is evolving how it's less uh militaristic how it's less rigid that thing of like yeah what do you do well we're gonna actually just tailor the system around your strengths and maximize your strengths. That is another evolution of the league. I'm glad you brought up Isaiah Simmons. The Cardinals are having some problems because I don't think they're playing him in the right spot. This is a thing of find what he does really well. And I know that Isaiah Simmons was sort of a jack of all trades. So that made it a little bit difficult to evaluate because he played so many spots, but find what he does well, put him in the right positions to be successful. Have a good football team. I have a question, just a little bit of comic relief here as a TV guy. Uh, do the studios, do the networks realize that Jason Garrett is not the head coach of the New York Giants? I'm watching the Giants-Rams, which is about as uh, insufferable an experience as one could expect. And anytime anything happened with Daniel Jones, good or bad, most of it was bad, a guy couldn't throw a touchdown, they just keep cutting the shots to Jason Garrett. There he is, the clapper on the sidelines. Couldn't get it done with Dallas. And now apparently if you're watching CBS, you think he's the head coach. Jason Garrett, the networks love him, Botch. I just have a question. Why does he get more air to him than any other assistant coach in football? People at CBS are brilliant because they aren't looking for the head coach. They're looking for the next meme on the internet. So we all know <laughs> that, hey, if, if something good happens on the field, we're going to get a Jason Garrett clap. If something bad happens on the field, put on Jason Garrett. Let's see if he's clapping. And they go over there and he's clapping. Then next thing you know, on the internet, we're blowing up with our CBS logo in the bottom right. We're blowing up and say, hey, they just threw an interception. Why is Jason Garrett clapping? And that's how you get ratings, I guess. What you, Rich, what you think, man? I'm sure during the production meetings that they have with uh, with Joe Judge earlier in the week, they Joe says, look, man, if Daniel throws a pick, it ain't on me. It's on that guy. Show that guy. Yeah. Speaking of no-nonsense coaches, Joe Judge, that guy's not having it. He's not having any fun. Let me tell you right now, especially with the way his team is looking. All right. Let's move on to the quarter mark of the season. That's right. This is week five right now, the NFL season. So we're going to do buying and not buying, go through four teams here. Let's start with the Cleveland Browns here, boys. It was easy after week one to say, okay, here we go again. Baker Mayfield's not the answer. The Browns are going to be miserable. Now, that rushing game has been surprisingly potent. Odell Beckham Jr., third game, at least two touchdowns versus Dallas. He's playing better. Are you buying or not buying, Richard, when it comes to the Cleveland Browns? Uh, I want to buy. I really do because of all the talent. It's flashy. It's sexy. But... I just see the defenses that they have to go through to win that division. 
And I think I would, I, I think I'm not buying because of that. They're going to have to go up against the Steelers. They're going to have to go up against the Ravens. Uh, I think running the ball effectively was easier to do against Vach's Cowboys than it will be to do against those two teams. Vach, what do you think? That's a fair point, and you better not waste your money buying these Browns. Listen, man, Baker Mayfield threw for 167 yards yesterday. That was nothing beating up on my Cowboys. They haven't beat a good team yet, including my Dallas Cowboys. They have not beat a good team yet. I wouldn't buy them. They're not going to be able to rush for 300 yards every single week. And my biggest point was, okay, you have to get Beckham involved, but you don't want Baker Mayfield to throw it. So the best way to do that is to let Jarvis Landry throw it to to Beckham. So just say it. It worked out on both ways. Yeah, you figure out a way. Buying or not buying the Cardinals. We know they're a sexy team. It's obviously a loaded division. Kingsbury looks like Ryan Gosling. Kyler Murray is flashy. Are you buying or not buying Cardinals? Actually, is a good team. Vach Lombardi. I mean, going into the season, we kind of had the idea that, okay, the Cardinals should be better. They should improve. The offense should be fun to watch, but they're in a rough division, and it's probably going to take another year or so, and I think we're kind of on that same program. Uh, Kyler Murray starting off slow, but when we see him turn it on, that dude can play football. He's a little bitty, but he can throw, and the Cowboys will see him in two weeks, so I'll start watching film on him right now. Um, but I just don't think that it's enough for, you know, just to say that that they're a good team. I mean, Seattle still exists. The Rams are, you know, making it interesting. and You know, they can probably be third place, but I'm not buying. Yeah, I'm, I'm not buying the Cardinals as a legitimate good team. I am buying them as a fun team that is going to be quite improved versus what they were last year, and Seven and nine, eight and eight, definitely in play. I mean, they 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 got beat last week by a team that I think is getting better in the Carolina Panthers. Uh, but you know, if you go eight and eight, this is the type of team you are. You have some good weeks and you surprise a couple people, and then maybe you take a step back and you lose. You're inconsistent. That's what eight and eight is. Yeah, I don't think they're Seattle or San Francisco. To your guys' point, they're third or fourth in that division. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady had five touchdown passes on Sunday. 43 years of age, 62 days. Justin Herbert, who he faced 22 years of age, 208 days. That's the largest gap between starting quarterbacks since 1950. The Bucks, I think rather quietly, Richard, are 3-1. and one. You buying or not buying? I'm buying the Bucks. I know Vach isn't, but I, you know, not to put any words in his mouth, but I am buying the Bucks. I am buying the Bucks that are legitimate contenders in the NFC South. We sat here and said last week that if the Saints get in, uh, if the Saints get in track meets, we're not sure how they can overcome with Drew Brees' arm strength concerns, et cetera, et cetera. So when those two teams meet again, I want to see it. I know there are some measuring stick games coming for the Bucs. The Thursday night game that we're going to talk about in a little bit here, short week. Can Tom be there because he's getting older in his advanced age? Can Tom recover and be ready for Thursday night? Can they beat a team that they are legitimately better than? I I think a a lot of the meat uh, of the Bucs schedule is sort of behind them. They also have... Uh, you know, two against the Falcons that are not very good. And and so we thought that the, the Falcons may be able to challenge the Bucs uh, and make that division more competitive otherwise than I think it may be this season, Vach. I mean, we'll see what happens. The Bucs are talented. Tom Brady had a really good game. But, hey, man, Case Keenum can have a really good game every now and then if you let him. <laughs> um, but but the whole thing that gives me pause about Tom Brady, like Tom Brady is Tom Brady, and I don't want to bet against him because he is who he is. But old man armness is undefeated. And one day you're going to wake up and it's going to be week eight and it's going to strike like a thief in the night. Next thing you know, 
those 20-yard, 15-yard passes don't happen anymore. So you alluded to a game that's going to be a measuring stick, you know, moving moving forward. I think the Green Bay Packers is going to be that game. We know that they're going to put up, you know, put up points quick, and you're going to have to put up points just as quick as they are because Aaron Rodgers can just throw it to anybody and get three touchdowns on the game. Fancy football nerds, do not chase around these Green Bay Packers wide receivers. They will burn you. Um, but back on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think their defense is – surprising me. They, they, they're they really good versus the run. Vita Vea developed into that big trash can full of dirt guy that can run really fast that I like. Um, and but, but we'll have to see. They haven't really beat anybody noteworthy, but that could just be me hating on Tom Brady. You mentioned your fantasy football fix once again. Check out the lineup. Wesley Chang, Steven Salios, they got you locked up when it comes to that. Vita Vea, one of the most fun names in football to say. And lastly, buying or not buying, the Chargers. And I think, listen, I've been impressed with Justin Herbert so far, guys. He was pressed into duty because Tyrod Taylor was hurt. I'm not convinced Anthony Lynn's a great coach. I don't know if he's the answer for the Chargers. But how about you, Vachia? Buying or not buying the Chargers? I'm not buying it, man. But 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 the bright spots, right? We're talking about the bright spots. Justin Herbert, that arm talent jumps off the screen, man. It's 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 top tier stuff. He can move around. He's very mobile. And what I like about him the most is that sometimes these young guys get into the league and they get robotic in their system. He knows that Keenan Allen is my guy. I'm throwing the ball to Keenan Allen. He's my best. I'm throwing it to my best player. I'm gonna get it to him. Mike Williams and the rest of the guys can hate all they want to. I'm gonna put us in the best position we possibly can. Austin. Getting hurt does not help, um, but I didn't really bank on the Chargers being that great anyway. But Justin is a bright spot. Yeah, I, again, now what am I buying for the Chargers? Am I buying them to win the AFC West? No, back up. <laughs> but I am buying them to be an improved football team. I'm buying the fact that I think Justin Herbert just took Tyrod Taylor's job when Tyrod gets healthy again. Uh, I, I think Justin Herbert is much improved from what I thought he was going to be coming into the league. Again, we talked about it last week. The Chargers are sort of maximizing his strengths. Talked about it earlier in the show. Maximize strengths. They are doing what Oregon did later in the season with Justin Herbert and saying, we're going to use your legs to give a, another dimension to this offense. Very impressed with Justin Herbert through a couple weeks. He just went toe-to-toe with the GOAT and almost came out on top. Almost. Sure. Buying or not buying. Hope you like the segment. Let us know on social media. Maybe we'll bring it back another time. Once again, it is the quarter mark of the season, so you kind of feel like you want to take a step back, pause, assess the situation. It's interesting, Richard. If you went through all these divisions, if I said you the Bills are 4-0, you go, okay, bit of a surprise. But you know what? I thought Josh Allen might take the next step. They got Stephon Diggs, great defense. Sean McDermott's a good coach, blah, blah, blah. If you look at the Seahawks and said they're a great team, of course they are. Russell Wilson, MVP conversation, they're a great team a season ago, worried about their defense and so on. The division where you actually look at and you say, hmm, a little surprised by that one is the AFC South. Now, we talked off the top of Billy O'Brien losing his job. Vaught spoke about how Deshaun Watson, the pressure on him. But aren't you a little more than surprised that AFC South has not gone at all according to script? Yeah, I, I think the Titans, they continue to do this voodoo. The Titans doubled down on what happened last year. And I think coming into the season, me and Vach both agreed that I don't think the Titans are going to be able to pull that rabbit out of the hat again. Well, now that they're 3-0 and with an average uh, scoring margin of two points in those victories, you wonder could they troll the whole league and continue winning these games by tight scores? Obviously. We don't know what the Titans are going to be on the other end of this. We hope and we pray for continued no more positive COVID tests for the Titans. But if the Titans can continue to eat these games out and continue to put more breath between them and everybody else, I mean, Titans are 0-4. 
Jaguars, not very good. Colts, I think we think solid and and gelling. I think what we really think about the Colts, in my opinion, is that week one, fluke. They they lost a one-score game to a team that is not that good in my dearly beloved Jacksonville Jaguars. But here we are, (laughs) the AFC South. A little bit of intrigue there, finally. I mean, it's just so weird that the teams that are winning the most aren't really impressive looking. You know, meanwhile, the Cowboys are one in three, but we put up 40 freaking points every week. I don't understand it. But uh, the Tennessee Titans, man, a win is a win is a win. And they're getting these dirty, tough wins. And those are playoff type wins. You know, those wins where it may not go your way and the other team is going to play you tough. But you got to find a way to just will it out at the end. They've been willing it out at the end. So if the Titans can keep that going, I don't know if they will be. Uh, That'll be interesting. But I didn't anticipate Houston really being as bad as they've been. And I've said every single week, man, we can't blame them for the guys that they're playing. But we look at the Texans as a team that's in that caliber of teams. We talk about the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. We talk about the Ravens and the Chiefs. I mean, Texans are in that conversation. And they haven't, you know, beat any of those teams. So that's weird. But the Colts' defense have been playing really, really well. And if anything, their formula would be play defense. Jonathan Taylor, rookie, go be great running the football, and Phillip Rivers just kind of carry us along the best you can. But I think they've been looking pretty – I'm not going to say good. I'm not going to say solid. But the Colts are pretty interesting to look at. Uh, it's the I think the Colts are now. good, I, I think the Colts are good, and I think the Colts are here to stay, and I think the Colts are a team that can win in January like you're talking about. It, you know what? It depends on if their division mates will allow them to get there. Now, if Houston gets good out of nowhere, Jacksonville's probably going to do Jacksonville things. Tennessee, if they allow the Colts to be great, then they'll be great. But I don't know. Amen. Yeah, I think the question coming with the Colts is how much did Philip Rivers have left in the tank at 38 years of age? But clearly he can get it done. Frank Reich is a great coach. We know that. And you guys spoke about that defense. Maybe a little bit under the radar right now. Maybe get some more pub moving forward as now they're 3-1. and one. Our final topic of conversation, the Thursday night. I think it's a good Thursday night. You got the Bucks. You got the Bears. A couple of 3-1 and one teams. Richard, what are you most looking forward to here? Nick Foles, by the way, as a starter, did what Nick Foles does. He's not good as a starter. He's great coming off the bench. So the Bears are disappointing, suffering their first loss, and Brady's coming off a five-touchdown performance. How fired up are you? Nick Foles, not great. I saw it firsthand last year in limited limited starts. The Colts got ahead, sat on him. That was that. You know, for the Bucs, this is a situation where on a short week, can you rally the troops and beat a team that you are demonstrably better than? This is a, a an interesting sort of measuring stick game for the Bucs. They've, they've played some pretty tough opponents early in the season. But this here, this is a winnable game. And I think you come out, you take care of business, and you get 10 days off before the Packers. I don't know, man. I mean, I'm I'm going to watch it because I know that I will be asked about it next week. But, uh, I mean, you know, there's Nick Foles and David Montgomery, and then there's the carousel of running backs at Tampa Bay and old man Brady. Um, Mike Evans is going to be fun to watch. I don't know if Chris Godwin's going to be back by then. But, I mean, I'm not really super excited about it. But we'll see. Can that Bucks defense continue to be great? And can the Bears try to be the defense that they once were? I mean, we'll see what happens. should be interesting. Yeah, if Foles doesn't play better, they're going to have to be the 85 Bears to try to be successful in that division. Uh, when it comes to great football, as always, check out DAZN Condensed Games. That's right, all the games in 40 minutes. It's an amazing package for all of you. And, of course, the Rookie Diaries, also fantastic in the zone. My interviews with Chase Claypool 
and Neville Gallimore of the Dallas Cowboys and, of course, Pittsburgh Steelers for Claypool as well. And when it comes to fantasy football, seriously, Wesley Chang, Steven Sawyers, the lineup, those guys will hook you up. Uh, they look young, but I'm telling you right now, they're very knowledgeable and they're very gifted. And when it comes to social media, always hit up Richard Johnson, Vach Lombardi. Let those guys know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. You know one thing about us, we're going to respond and we're here to entertain all of you. Shout out to Amit, Luisa, Stephanie, the entire team. My name is Adnan Burke. Thanks for watching more football. We'll see you next time.